This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Hello, welcome. Thursday. Cam Poitras, Jim Toth. Jim, how you doing? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing Sun's very out, well. guns out. Absolutely. Your guns yeah. are out. You got your um well, in my day it was like the Magnum PI Hawaii shirt, right? Summertime and you got the with yeah. the, the flowers on it, the red. Floral. I saw one of those about a year ago. I tried to get one and I got kiboshed. <laughs> you got it was a no. Yeah, you're showing your age, I was told. And is, is this, am I showing my age with this shirt? I was going to say, this shirt, you should put it out on social media. That shirt is from the 50s. That shirt is from Mad Men when Don Draper would take the kids to the beach and have about 19 whiskey sours. And I'm telling you right now, it's back. It's back? It's back. Don't call it a comeback. It's Don't been here it. since the 50s. It's always been here. That's Looks right. good, man. Summer's here. Yeah, summer's here. Uh, yesterday was um, just awesome outside. Spent some time outside. It was beautiful. Uh, today, almost 17 here. This is good. This is good. We're trending in the right direction here. Summer, summer just around the corner. If not, uh, I guess you know what. But we'll, by the climate that we live in, this is this is summer. Like yeah, to me, this is. Summer. I mean, we should uh, a little pep in my step today yeah. because of it. I go outside and it's not raining and it's not cold. The wind. It's. I'm not getting in my car and I'm not having to like scrape it. That's like if that. Like around beginning, like halfway through March, April, and I'm still scraping. I'm like, that's my peak misery. For I me. actually looked at my jalopy today and said, I might need to wash this because <laughs> it might not snow or rain again. Yeah. Although it's supposed to rain this weekend. Yeah, but. so just hold off. Nature's um, nature's car wash. Um, text the show, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Um, in terms of the Winnipeg Jets and and we we got a great show lined up here. Justin Bourne, author, Sportsnet writer, uh, analyst, um, uh, former pro, does a lot of things. Got a podcast with with Nick Kibrios. He's going to be joining us at twelve thirty to to take a look at the 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 Stanley Cup playoffs. What's been going on? Leafs, Panthers, uh, Edmonton, Vegas, Dallas, Pan. Uh, you know the, the whole the whole the whole gamut. We'll, we'll, we're going to be getting it in. Into that with him. Also, I want to talk to him because his co-host of his podcast, Nick Kibrios, was adamant about PLD uh, on his way to Montreal. I want to just, I want to ask him about that, and, and I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they work closely, and what his thoughts on that is, particularly after Dubois during his year ender, uh, say that UFA status and being unrestricted, and being able to choose where he wants to go, is important to him. But also lamented going through another offseason without a without some years attached to this to a to a deal. Um, that didn't seem to be in his year under something he was very interested in. Uh, but you know, you never know how these things are going to pan out. We'll take a look at that as well. Um, as, as lots of other stuff here. And of course your text messages, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. And I wanted to be today, Jim, you walked in and I said, you know, not, not that I think the show, uh, has been, uh, negative. I just think it was sort of a, a look back on a pretty i'd say dismal week a lot a lot of talk about lack of accountability um not a great uh media availability from from the general manager whether um and, and how that played out i mean remains to be seen and how things are going to go but i i wanted to focus today jim on the, this sort of this question that came to me yesterday can this still be a good team next year. 
So what's done is done. Playoffs are over. The season's over for the Winnipeg Jets. All that's left is this offseason. What can this team do? And is it possible to that it can have success, success next season and positive change this offseason can turn into positive results on the ice? I think it's definitely something that's possible. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility here. I think this team... Uh, can be just as good next year and perhaps uh, even be more consistent and be, be perhaps even a better team next year. I mean, you never know. You can't look at your crystal ball and, and, and make all these predictions. But I think that that based on how things in this offseason can roll out, I think this team can be a better team. I think it can be more consistent. I think it can be harder to play against. Well, and I'm glad. First of all, I apologize when we came in and you said, let's be positive. I was like, go at- <laughs> <laughs> Get away from no! I'm kidding, of course. Um, it, it's not. <laughs> I, I, this is a great thing to address because I think a lot of times we get texts that say you're too negative or you're over positive in your homers and this and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not about any of that. It's about no. discussing what is going on and being factual with what is going on and then giving our opinions on it. So it is negative because it ended in a negative fashion. And then I'll be honest, I, I thought it ended in a gong show again. For the second year in a row, the exit meetings were an absolute gong show. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this happens, right? Yeah. And it happens to good teams and good organizations when you don't find success or anywhere near the success that you feel you should be. And and that's why w- the talk yesterday about making some changes comes from five or six years. Is, as I've stated, when you build a team, you pick your six to seven pieces that you build around. And every year you try to augment it and go forward. Yeah. And then after six or seven years, when... Guys get older and contracts run out. You have to move in a different direction. That's where they're at right now. Um, But the conversations around, and I say the word dysfunction, but I don't know how else. The more I talk about this, the more I I look into it and read it, and the more I hear from outside of the market people on what they think is going on or what their analysis of how it ends is, there's some dysfunction here. You have a lot of players pushing back against what your coach said. And, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to emphasize like Rick Bonus saying the word disgusted was a little strong and he wishes he didn't say that, but the sentiment around how the game was played, he'll never accept. And there wasn't enough from the players going, and I'll even, I will, I'll even soften on my stance on this. If some of the players said, I don't agree with what he said, I don't think he should have done that publicly, I don't blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. If it was backed up with, but he's right, we can't perform like that in elimination games. We can't be so inconsistent. We can't play a five-game series where for one game we dominate, two games we have some fight back and and wear it all in, and one game we absolutely don't show up in. It's inconsistency over and over. So I'm glad we're talking about this, Cam, but also what what we're going to bring up is, so there's two kinds of things I've heard over the time, the 12 years the Jets have been here. And the first five or six years, it was like, why don't they trade Chris Thorburn? Why don't they trade Mark Stewart? They suck. (laughs) And I'd always yeah. reply to that. If you think they suck, why do you think they're tradable? And then the counter I'm hearing now is you're going to trade Wheeler Shifley and we're going to suck. And I don't buy into that. Yeah. You are going to trade some very valuable players here if they decide to do that. And you're going to get something back. And I think in all of this talk since January, when the team struggled with the same issues and Mark Shifley had to go to the wing and they were benched and all this stuff. When we talk about the core, the core has talked about these changes, Shifley, Wheeler, like they're garbage players who are done and need to go, and then we're going to get some picks back, and it's going to take us six years to rebuild. I don't see it that way. 
I see you're putting a, whether you defensively or not, fair enough, mm-hmm. you're putting a number one center on the market that is a point-per-game player. And the one year in the past six that he wasn't a point-per-game player, he scored 42 goals. Yes. Last time I checked, point-per-game players and 40 goal scorers are a very hot commodity in this league. You are going to get something back for him that could make this team very good still. Yeah. Wheeler is a different topic because of his age. And if they don't want to swallow cash or if there's not a deal out there, and I, I, I don't like buyouts. They've done it once with Mark Stewart in the last year of his contract. I don't think they'll ever do it for a player with two or three years left. No. The idea of a buyout is better for me because the whole idea of, and I said this going into last year, the idea of paying another team $4 million to have Blake Wheeler score 60 points is ridiculous. Well, the thing is I look, I look at the Minnesota wild and you know, 12 and a half million dollars and they're going to lose next year. It's going to be 14 and a half on their buyouts for Zach Parise and, and, and Ryan Sutter. They just paid the Dallas stars $7 million for Ryan Suter to beat them. Yeah. And you can't tell me that 12 and a half would not have helped that team. And I think the Minnesota Wild are a very, very and, good And team. then you add in what I just said. Not only helped that team, like Ryan Suter's on the Dallas Stars in the second round. Yeah. He wouldn't have still helped you this year? Yeah, he would have. And, and then also, it was a so different now you're, deal, but, you're paying yeah. him to play against you in a playoff series. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. It's money ball. <laughs> it's, I, I'm not, the Yankees are paying me three million, paying, yeah. Paying I, you th- me three million dollars to not play you. I don't know what's going to happen with you know. I, there's a lot of talk, and and, I, and I've heard some people that I I have a lot of respect for that lean towards the buyout situation. Um, I've I've heard uh, many people say as well. But here's why it wasn't done I, I, last I'm just, year. I'm just saying, like with Blake Wheeler, I don't know what's going to happen with him this offseason. What did he I have? Don't. He had he I, he had fifty. He played 70-some games. Here, I'll call yeah, it up. That doesn't change my mind that but I think had, Blake Wheeler needs to be on another team next year. He had year. six points in five playoff games, and yeah. he had 55 points in 72 games. So he's 55 points. Pro-rate that to 82 games. He's a 60-point player. He had a great playoffs, too. Why? So unless you can – not only are you going to pay another team $4 million for him to play against you a couple times a year or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but you're also – then you have $4 million left to find 60 points. With the four million you're saving on on paying half his salary yeah. to go somewhere else, you need to replace sixty points in your lineup. Yeah, and can you do that with four million dollars of cap space? But anyway, we're going yeah. down this road. But here's yeah. what I, I'm saying: regardless of him, if you're you're trading two number one centers potentially this summer, Pierre Luc Dubois and Mark Scheifele. Yeah, at the very worst, you're going to get second line centers back. You are, and yeah. whether it's on one year deals that. Colorado, Carolina, mm-hmm. I can go down the list of current playoff teams that would love to get a 60 to 80 point player for $6 million for one year with no more commitment. Knowing The what, list is long. Knowing what the Jets and, and how they like to handle this, I, they would go after uh, younger players with term. Yes. That could eventually, that perhaps on paper at this time could look like a, a, a perhaps a second line center, but a guy that perhaps would be more consistent would, would be a guy that could develop over a year or two into a guy that could be a number one. So Kirby, that's, Doc, that's who they would be targeting in Kirby, my opinion. Yeah. Kirby doc's name keeps coming up with Montreal for Dubois. He's got 38 points in 58 games prorate that to 82. He's a 50 point score at 22 years old. So if, Again, if you trade him for Dubois, and I'm just spitballing here, but yeah. I'm just trying to prove the point that you're going to get some good stuff back. Yeah. I don't think it'd even be one for one. 
I think you're going to get Kirby Doc and something else, either a pick or something. Yeah. But if you trade him for Doc and bring him in here at 22 years old, and in a year or two he develops into a 60 point instead of a 50 point score or more, mm-hmm. you have him for four more years after that. Yeah, it, it's and the way I think this is going to shake out, it's not going to be a pound for pound deal in the no. next year, but it could be something that develops into something better over the course of a, a season. Yeah, or two. and I'll wrap yeah. up this way and just saying that you know if it is Hellebuck, Shifley, and Dubois all in separate trades. The amount of return you could get for that will make you a very good team still. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as good as 40 goal scores and 60 point, but you'll be good. And then the argument comes in, right, Cam, of are you not better? <laughs> well, yeah. Because maybe you're not, maybe you're giving up 30 goals a season in the trades going out, mm-hmm. but maybe you're bringing back in taking 20 against off the board. Uh, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Are there more positives than negatives within this team and the roster? And, and, and David Pignotta was honest with the, yesterday with the fourth period, confirmed, but we already knew that teams would want the players that the Jets could make available here uh, when with free agency and, and, and under UFA status. And I, I think there is a scenario that if the Jets move out, you know, may, you know, Shifley, Dubois, if he's going to go, 26, Blake Wheeler, um, bought out, traded, or whatever. You move maybe some of the defensive depth you have there, bring in the right pieces. There could be success at n- next year, and and there, and there could th- be positives. Positive change could lead to positive results. You throw in Hellebuck and say you get a Billy Huso out of Detroit or a goalie yeah. of that ilk. I want to talk about that after okay, we speak to sure. Justin Bourne too. But say you do that yeah. and and you you get a goalie and three picks with it, and you take two of those picks and one of your own. And go to a non-playoff team like Anaheim or or yeah. somebody else, and and get decent players that way. It's just it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, I want to look at net mining. We're going to get to that at twelve forty-five, right after a conversation uh, with Justin Bourne coming up here. Laurel Renee says, "Cam, OMG, do I hear backpedaling? They've been given enough time to produce. That was not, if that was me backpedaling. No, Laurel Renee, I I don't know. I don't know that. No, I've I've been very consistent with my feelings since uh, the end of uh, last Friday. And this is in Neil. a better mood because he's got his Don Draper on and a whiskey sour cool, in front of him. I'm just living. You the can't cool drink life. that on the air, by the way. You know the thing is, I shouldn't wear these sunglasses in here. But when your life, when when you know your future's so bright, uh, Neil Texas show. Hi guys, Cam. I agree with you. A little bit of change could help. And uh, uh, oh, this one text. He says, Cam and Jim, I am on Team Magnum. It's not the age that matters. Own the confidence. I look great in these all coming out of the new rotation. I'll send in some flower power, some floral part of the uh, uh, cabana wear. Those I.e. Mag- Frank and Stanza. Those are some nice shirts there. That is what it is. It's cabana wear. That's Frank- what you have. The, the Frank-, 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 Frank Costanza. And there's moths everywhere in here. <laughs> we'll be right back. Justin Bohr with us after this. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Thanks. I'm going to turn it loose on a Friday, though. I'm going to get something. Good day to you, you, sir. I how, said good day. How do you do? Uh, yeah, the the drop top down. Did you say your name is Pan? Pan? Are you Pam. saying Pan? Pam. <laughs> We're here to mess stuff up. Um, I got a few more guesses that came in. And this one surprised me. Oh, and I kind for of the thought, summer, yeah, the Skylar the, Peters summer view. The drop top. Yeah, dropping the top. The yeah. drop the needle wagon. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is now. It's the drop the needle. He wagon. denies the Sebring. He's done that. And we're going to spray times. paint Haywire's there's, logo there's across the There's a person the in our newsroom that drove a Chrysler Sebring convertible. There is, Cam. Mm-hmm. There is a person in our newsroom who had a convertible it's the perfect Sebring. Person. And it wasn't to kids' soccer practice or stuff like that. It was 
like a gentleman, a single man, don't a t- single man on a convertible. Was, don't tell me it's Jeff Braun. It's Jeff Braun. <laughs> he's don't got tell the. Me he's Jeff got Braun. a picture that looks like the Michael Scott Sebring thing in the office, and I think the picture was taken before the episode aired. By the like, way, that's how Sebrings are a Jeff fine Braun automobile. Is. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the Sebring. No, if you need a drop top, it's a great option. Okay, but I was offered to be a Volkswagen Rabbit. Drop top. I have uh, driven one of those. It was like an '89. It was hilarious, but no, that is not. I have, okay, not I, have, I have my, I have my, my guess here, and then we got to go to our guest here. Uh, Honda S two thousand. I'm looking at that thing on your monitor right now, man. Uh, first of all, I do not have enough money for those. The market is insane on S two Ks right 000. now. It's only ten thousand. You make, you're making good money. Yeah. <laughs> we got to ask Justin Bourne about this. Sorry, Justin, but um, <laughs> we have a young fellow in our newsroom at the ripe age of twenty six who has a summer vehicle. In this day and age, have you heard of such madness? Like the phrase summer vehicle implies he has a separate one for a different season. Yeah, he's twenty five years old. I mean, it's Manitoba. Like he drives it for three weeks a year. And working in a newsroom, uh, no disrespect, but I'm familiar with media compensation. <laughs> this gentleman has some family ties. I think. He is Justin. There, I am being slandered. I'm gonna, I'm gonna message you on Twitter and give you context that Jim Toth does not know nor deserve. You Full cannot talk. hijack this program whatsoever. And just to further one more step, Justin, to your point, he's not the station manager's son either. He just has this. That's, you know, I'll tell you what, once in college, uh, I was staying at a place, a guy had a geo tracker in the woods and I offered him 400 bucks for it. And he said, sure. So if you acquire a vehicle like that, maybe it's possible. But I don't think that's a common method of vehicle purchase. Once out of the woods and back at class, did he go, can I buy that back off you? That was a really <laughs> dumb move on my part. No, I drove it for years. It was a, I loved it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Justin, thanks so much for joining us here. Uh, sports writer, analyst, former pro uh, with Sportsnet as well as, well as an author. And, and I, I wanted to ask you some, some stuff about the Jets, but I, I wanted to start. I, I read your latest article here um, in regards to after game one with the Leaf and, Leafs and Panthers. I guess I'm going to bring the Jets into this. but um, and, and you wrote, if last night were a regular season game, a team may shrug and say we were as good as Florida – on another night, of course, the Leafs losing that game 4-2 to Florida. Uh, or as good as Florida, on another night, maybe we get some bounces and we get a win. But this isn't a regular season, and that isn't going to cut it in the playoffs, end quote. That was in your latest article. And I, and I thought that was so true, Justin. And because I, I just think that that's in, when it comes to the playoffs, that's a fact. I mean, that's the difference between wins and losses. It, it's a bounce here, it's a bounce there. you got to kind of create your own luck. And it's relatively almost exactly what we heard from from the Jets in their year-enders, where, you know, we're almost as good as Vegas, you know. Mm-hmm. On another night, maybe we get a bounce, we get a win. You know, we were right there, which, you know, while it may be true, the reality was it wasn't good enough. Well, you know, what, if the Maple Leafs have learned anything over the years, it's that you can do the whole process over results thing up until playoffs. Like, if you mm-hmm. have a good process, you're going to have a better team, you're going to put yourself in more positions to have success, when you get to the playoffs, if the results aren't there, nobody cares. And so even the best teams in the NHL, like if you look at odds makers or whatever, the best team against the worst team has like a 65% chance of winning. Well, then you can't leave it up to chance that it's 50-50. You need to be the better team so significantly that you have a 65% chance of winning. I thought the Leafs had a 50-50 shot of winning if the bounces are different last game. They didn't do enough to drag their odds in their favor that when you, when you don't get the bounces, you can go, well, we should have won. That was not the case for the Leafs. And, yeah, it sounds like the Jets had a fairly similar uh, experience in the first round. 
as far as the Florida Panthers go, Justin, like a lot of even Paul Maurice said, well, I told you guys about a month ago, I just stopped uh, the bench took over and I just opened the gate and put the lines together. Take us through this season for the the Florida Panthers into where they are playing this well into the second round uh, compared to the first three or four months. Well, anytime you have such drastic changes, you know, the way the Panthers did, they obviously bring in Matthew Kachuk, ship out Huberto, ship out Uyghur. Like, that's major on the ice, but it's major in your room as well in terms of hierarchy and leadership and all that. And then you change the coach, and it's, you know, it's a significant change to the whole the whole operation. And so I don't I not, wasn't shocked to see them come out of the gate slow. But, like, listen, that team is not that much different than the previous season. They got a, the best player in the trade. Uh, you know, they, they miss Uyghur. Their D is a little bit thin, and we see that in the statistics. They score a ton but don't defend particularly well. But it's not shocking to say that this team is way better than an 8-seed 92-point team. You know, the last 25 games of the year, I think they played at 110-point pace you know, after winning the President's Trophy the year before. So the idea is that Maurice will have rebuilt them a little bit in his preferred image, which is more playoff-style hockey. They're having success so far. It looks like a pretty good strategy. Now, along those lines, I don't think the Jets are an eighth seed. but And I don't think they're that far away from the Vegas Golden Knights. But no. clearly, you know, it didn't turn out. So what do you make of the Jets this year? And And really, when I ask that question, it's probably what do you make of the Jets the last five years, right? Well, that's kind of it. And, you know, there's, you can only do it for so long. And I, again, I'm here in Toronto. So the, the same questions come up at year end where you go, is it something fundamentally wrong with the core, you know, which is this, a much bigger problem, a much harder thing to fix. And, you know, in Toronto, they've gone, well, maybe the core is not grit and grindy enough. So we'll add grit and grind around it. At the end of the day, I don't know if it matters if the most important people who play 25 minutes a night don't have those attributes. So you look at the Jets and, you know, obviously uh, bonus is pretty hard on the the best players there, the star players. And, um, you know, I would say fairly justifiably so, but so you do have to ask the questions. Is it the core? Is it Shifley? Is it Wheeler? Or, you know, are these guys, um, you know, maybe not built in a way that, that is built to have them have that postseason success and, and sustain the level we see them play at sometimes. So it's a, it's a big question there in Winnipeg. You're, you're a former pro. Has there been situations when you've been on teams where you, you, you looked at the team at the beginning of the season and said, you know, this is a pretty good, we got kind of all the pieces here, we, we can make this work, and there's just been an, an issue when, with just the mix, and the team just, for whatever reason, uh, doesn't respond well together. Or, or yeah, at least you, not up to a, uh, not up to the expectation of being a team that's going to really challenge for a championship. For sure, you know I think that's fairly common for teams who finish finish in the middle third of the standings, where you don't finish in the middle third without having some runs of really good play, and you don't finish in the middle third without having some runs of poor play, and so you always step back and you go, God. If we can just be the good version, this is like me on the golf course. Like, if I just hit it like that one drive all the time, I'd be great. <laughs> you know, and I think the Jets do that, right? Where you step back and go, their best is as good as anyone's best. They are dynamic, great offense. They can, you know, great goaltending. They got some shutdown guys. Like, they're, they're good. But, you know, what is it about the consistency? Is it, you know, again, a core thing, a leadership thing? You know, the coaches have changed, and that doesn't seem to be the difference. So, you know, can you lean into it a little bit to support the guys who've helped you had those runs of good play uh, and build around that a little bit? I guess identifying that, working out some of the tougher contract situations they've got on their hands. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, again, the big challenges ahead for the Jets. 
And along those lines, that's what we've been talking about since, like we believe here, at least on the show and a yeah. lot of people in Manitoba, that there will be changes. That that I know Kevin Cheveldayoff spoke like he always does, not opening the curtain whatsoever and, and what the good yeah. things that this core has done. Um, but we do believe there will be changes. The thing we're doing today, Justin, prior to you coming on, is talking about like there's a fever here that says, you know, well, Scheife has got to go. He doesn't back check. And Wheeler's leadership has got to go, blah, blah, blah. And we're not going to be good for two or three years. And we're just sort of trying to dispel the fact that when you trade players of this ilk, the Pierre-Luc Dubois, the Mark Scheifele's, potentially the Connor Hellebuck's, like there is something coming back, right? And and it's probably yeah. going to be pretty good. What kind of hockey deals do you see out there that that could change what you've seen from the Jets that would make them a better team? Yeah, that's a good question. You know that that's one of the real challenges when you identify that something has to change, and it's you know when you're making a trade because you want to move on from something rather than you want to acquire something, you run the risk of coming out on the wrong end of it. Mm. You know, I, I think about you know, how they ended up with Dubois in the first place, like, you know, the line a deal and they're saying, okay, well, a couple of guys who were looking for something different here, you know, it's tough to find those sort of situations when you have the top end guys, you wonder almost if the best thing for them, you guys mentioned, you know, we're not going to be good for two or three years. If it is trading for some guys who haven't quite, you know, they're young, younger guys that are already in the league, you don't want to trade for picks and make it a five-year rebuild, but, you know, are there some guys whose potential you could tap in on? I don't know. Alexi Lafreniere had zero points in the playoffs. You know, is that a guy you're sure is going to be nobody? You know, would they give up on him? You know, I think you just got to kind of look around the league and say, are there some young guys who haven't met the promise yet that we could win a bet on if they come in and find it? That's a great. That's a great point, Justin. Really, it is. And 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 like. Uh, and who does that better, honestly? Like, I'm not trying to disparage other GMs, but who evaluates talent better than Kevin Cheveldayoff and his staff? Yeah, no, there's definitely a long track. I, I mean, we heard that about Neil Pionk we, when Andrew Kopp went out the door last year. Everybody said, "Who's Morgan Barron?" Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're not Andrew Kopp ilk. And they're not Jacob Truba ilk, but they contribute, right? And that, the, that's the, what we're talking about, Justin. Is just that the like there are there. deals out there that if done right and, and puts this team in a different direction, that direction might not be as, as many points, but it also might not be giving up as many goals. Like there are certain ways you can fix this without it being yeah. a five-year rebuild. Well, listen, you know, you, you look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team here. If they lose three games in the next six days, you can't tell me you can't get your hands on Willie Nylander, scored 40 goals this year. Like they're going to make a change. There's mm-hmm. going to be good players available from teams that are disappointed um, you know, and so, yeah, you, you never know for sure. You're right. It's not like you're trading it for the players for nothing. I think the important thing is assessing when you want your window to be, how soon you're trying to be good, how long a rebuild are you looking at, and then, you know, going out and making your, your choices for candidates after that. I think you just told us Austin Matthews is available. <laughs> Oh, he may be. If they don't win the second round. Oh, well, that's, oh. He may be. I'm just kidding. Oh, the de- if they don't win. July 1st, if he's not signed, call July 2nd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Justin Bourne, uh, author, sports uh, sports writer, analyst over at Sportsnet, as well as a former pro joining us. Justin, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciated the conversation, and uh, we'll have to do this again. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, awesome. Justin. All the best. Great. Con- vehicle connoisseur as well. Yeah. That's... What did he say? Geo tracker? Geo tracker, yeah. Oh, that's a sweet. What is that the geo? That's the four. There was a girl in college that had one, and it was like the. Of course, this was the '90s, so. But she had a, like a brand new geo tracker, and I oh. thought this was going to take over for everyone. Thought it was going to take over for Jeep and everything. And <laughs> I'm looking at one right now, 1996 geo tracker. Yeah. Now that's a vehicle, and it was Holy that moly. plastic pull-up top, so it was a drop top. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a ma- that's a masterpiece right there. Yeah, would you would you ride that? Would you drive that? Oh, around? I, I, in my, your cabana? I, I'd turn that into my summer car. You take that out to Lake Winnipeg in your cabana? Where? <laughs> let's Top take a down. Let's take a break. Let's come back. I, I, I want to touch about. I want to talk about goaltending, and I want to go back and, and, and discuss some of the things we just we just talked about with Justin Bourne about you know when when you're when you're going out there to acquire something, you know you might get caught a little bit, and this is this is a part of how this whole offseason is going to is going to line up, and I, and I want to focus in on net mining and, and goaltending as well as we got some great text messages from 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 some of you guys. I want to get those on there uh, as well. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on six eight CJOB. If you missed the conversation uh, with Justin Bourne, sports writer, former pro analyst with with Sportsnet, um, as well as an author. Um, you can great find guest. it on our yeah great guest. We'll have him on again. Um, you'll find him uh, on. You'll find that conversation on our podcast. Just go to Jets at noon at like you're writing an email, um, and uh, we'll, we're we're on we're on wherever you find your uh, your podcast. That's where we are. But I think that Skylar Peters, who we're trying to figure out what his summer vehicle is, who he's kept this information from us. I don't know why he's turned it into this massive thing. I think he was going to text Justin and tell him what it is. or send him a, a DM on Twitter. He said he took a shot of himself in it and was going to put it out to me on social media last night, and I forget why he said he didn't, like maybe because he doesn't want to talk to me after hours or something. Something like know, that. Might have something to do with it. Uh, I don't know what this vehicle is, but it sparked a lot of conversation. What was your favorite vehicle that you've owned to this point? My favorite vehicle that I've owned is, it was definitely my, like I haven't had anything flash. Probably my, the one I have currently, 2017 Toyota Corolla. I've never... Um, I, I like my Mazda protege, um, my <laughs> caravan, first caravan, uh, you had a Dodge caravan. caravan, me and my brother, my, it was my mom's old car. So it was my first, it was like was 16. Was there a bed in the back? Who, yeah, pretty much. It was like, who cares? Just. Was there a lady with a sword riding a polar bear a dra- on the side it was a dra- of it? It was a dragon, a dragon? Yeah. yeah, it was a dragon. Those were big when I was growing up. I'd ride my bike around Lethbridge and there'd be all these vans sitting in different parking lots and people would be hanging out by their vans yeah. and they would have like. People riding different various animals with swords painted on the side. Man, those are cool, yeah. eh? And Mr. Real Tur- cool. Frank, my dad and Frank was always like, you don't touch, you don't go anywhere near those vans. <laughs> There's evilness there. 204-780-6868, A couple text messages here just in, in response to, uh, you know, positive change leading to positive results. I mean, this can still work itself out, and next year can still be a good season for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Daryl says, Seattle and Vegas started with second-line centers, if that's potentially what you could acquire for the likes of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Scheifele. Another texter says, Seattle is doing just fine without any so-called number-one centers. Uh, Goodbye, Scheifele, Dubois, and Wheeler, as the core does not work, as we've seen for a few years. And that's from another another texter here. I'm wondering about Dubois. Like, I I know he wants to go to free agency, and I get that. And I'm a big proponent. I don't know why any player, unless they want to desperately yeah. stay in the market they're in, that they why you wouldn't go to free agency. Like I made my rant last year. If yeah. they know the, the Goudreaux, the Dubois, the Chachucks, the, yeah. the go on and on, those players know the money's going to be there. Yeah. They know that $9 million per is going to be there. So why would you? Like I look at it from their standpoint, right? Yeah. And I like Dubois said, it's not that I'm ruling out Winnipeg, but he just wants to have his options in front of him. I don't know why with two years left, why you would go, yeah, I'll lock it up unless you desperately wanted to be here and where, and, and again, two years away in a hockey world, you don't know what that team's going to look like, No, but it's interesting now that, and, and for the other thing we should address too, is like people go, well, why would Montreal trade for him now and not just wait? Well, that's not how it works. Like yeah. you want him now. 
what if Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't get traded there and then in January breaks his leg and or blows his knee out and he's got a like you want your asset. Yeah. You yeah. want your or Mont- hey, say let's see Montreal wins the draft lottery and they they go for and pick up Connor Bedard. It kind of might change their situation down the center. Not to say they wouldn't still want someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois, but it might have the team go, well, maybe let's hold things back and, and wait for this thing to develop. Montreal doesn't know what they'll look like in a year from now, and neither do the Jets. It's true. And so, you know, it just the idea of, I get the sentiment of why would they, but the sentiment is because you don't wait two years for the player you want. Let's, you go get them. We're not going to have enough time. Let's save this netminder conversation for tomorrow. And we'll discuss it tomorrow. We got a busy show tomorrow. We do? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got um, joining us right off the bat at 12.10 is going to be Daniel Fink, voice of the Manitoba Moose. He's going to be joining us, of course. Another OT win last night. The Moose going for a series win in Game 4 Friday, 6.30 pregame show. Puck drop at 7, Moose and the Milwaukee Admirals. He's going to be joining us at 12.10. We'll save this conversation. We'll have this this talk about netminders and and how this league perhaps is changing and and a perspective on it. And does the Winnipeg Jets really need Connor Hellebach? Or is is there some other options there as well? Not a lot of Vesna goalies in the playoffs still. That's what I exactly what I want to talk about. And then uh, Jeff Spencer, chair of the Aboriginal uh, Sports Circle, uh, a big tournament going on uh, in Winnipeg. He's going to be joining us live in studio at 1245. That's going to be a fantastic conversation uh, for the National Aboriginal Hockey Championship. It's going to be going 1245. Great so, event. Lots to get to. Busy day tomorrow. Make sure you're going to be with us for that. Jim Toth, take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forche, for producing the show. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.